Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hello to anyone listening. I am out in my yard on this Sunday morning. A uh, really nice morning, actually. It's, I guess, uh, oh, it's towards the end of September, so we're past the autumn equinox, which means that the nights are starting to get a little bit longer than the days, and everything's going to start cooling down. Our summer in California wasn't too bad this year. Uh, it was uh, maybe a hundred, over a hundred degrees, a handful of days, nothing too major. Um, of course, that's enough to make us cry over here in in uh, L.A. Anyway, um, my recording studio is uh, not usable right now, so I'm out in the yard, and uh, it's not too bad actually. I'm on my mobile recording, so I apologize if the levels are a little bit off this uh, this recording. Uh, the thing is also that I could not find uh, time or uh, fit f uh, my schedule with other people's schedule to be able to have a discussion with somebody on this. Uh, I was um, kind of trying to, but it didn't work out. So here I am by myself. Um, the subject that I'm recording about is, as you see on the blog... It's about the woman agenda. And up until now, I have not so much avoided discussing this type of thing, but I haven't had a need to. Um, I know Jan Irving has written about this and discussed it uh, quite a bit. I've heard other podcasts. Here's the problem with listening to this many audios is that I can't easily find where the recording is for the th things that I'm discussing. So, uh, unfortunately, I can only refer you to the podcast that, that referenced it. And on the ones that I do remember where specifically it's mentioned, I will post it on the audio. And I'll, I, I mean on the blog, and I'll uh, mention it here. So I'll, I'll direct you when I can. And if not, you're going to need to do a little searching yourself Um, now, the thing with uh, the woman agenda is what I'm calling it, but it, it's really just the feminist movement, is that it's a very tricky and, uh, how would you say, um, controversial subject. The um, times that I've seen this come up in school, I remember that As soon as men start, and I mean, granted, the people that have brought up things like this are not generally the people that are just rationally having a discussion about the way the world works or the way uh, women are treated unjustly or anything. Uh, it's either brought up uh, in a comical sense or it's brought up by somebody that's a bit misogynistic and of course when you have two extremes then you're going to have to choose 
uh, obviously the more rational one. And when both are being a bit ridiculous, then it's just a waste of time. It's just a discussion that is going to lead to nothing and it's going to change no one's mind. Um, so uh, I, I remember having the feminist movement come up during school and during different times. And I noticed that... Um, in general, the feminist movement is usually defended by women in a emotional sense, meaning that it's not in a rational, um, trying to educate people sense. It's more in a, um, I need to stand up for my fellow woman and not allow uh, this, this pig to state certain things uh, about my my uh, clan my group my um team and so um it, it's kind of a thing that that made it a little bit difficult to to write this article because i don't want to really choose a side but i want to present the irrationality between the two sides so let me just dig in um the whole article started because I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and he had a guest on. Let me look and see if I can pronounce his name. Um, look a little further down here. Milo Yiannopoulos. Uh, now, he had him on his podcast and Milo is a very smart guy and uh, to his detriment, the problem is that he is a what they call an, an internet troll uh, an internet troll is somebody that'll say ridiculous far-fetched things just to get a reaction out of people and that's kind of the uh, the new trend uh, so to speak I believe and I don't know this for a fact but I believe that I started listening to this uh, accusation or this uh, title uh, around the time when I started hearing about 4chan so I, I don't know for a fact but I almost feel like it's connected to the whole, um, uh, what is it, the 4chan and the lulls and, and all this uh, new movement of just ridiculous internet uh, um, uh, postings and, and um, I, I'm, I'm losing my words here. But anyway, uh, so he gets a little bit silly when he's uh, trying to explain things. But this is mostly for comedic relief. Now, it gets a little bit tricky because he does say some horrible things. And I'm not trying to defend his claims. I'm just trying to almost objectively point out what is happening between the two. Now, when I tried to dig into this and find out, because after he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, shortly after the film Ghostbusters came out, and it caused so much controversy, so I just kept hearing about how terrible it was and how it's basically just a feminist movement uh, movie and just feminist propaganda. And... Uh, I would ask around to friends that I knew if they enjoyed it or, or if the movie was worth my time. And not a single person ever said that it was a good thing. Uh, the only person that I know that has said that it's a decent movie is Joe Rogan. And the reason why he says that is because he has two daughters. And going to the theater with his two daughters was fairly enjoyable. Um, 
to uh, summarize what he basically um, said in review of the movie. <clears throat> so let me dig into his in a bit. I'll, I'll go back to Milo and, and the Ghostbusters thing because this article also, uh, and I apologize for the noise. Again, I'm not in the recording, uh, my little, in quotation marks, recording studio. I'm outside in the yard. But uh, let me bring up a couple of things that uh, while this article, just like most of my articles, started off as just something simple and short, it just kept uh, incrementally uh, exponentially just growing because there was so many other points that have uh, come across my mind and uh, in, in different media and, and things that I've read and, and heard. And as I was writing, there was just too much to refer to. So uh, you're probably listening to this if you're not the type to read um, because the article is quite long. So I'll try to cover as many of the points as I can in this audio so that uh, you are basically uh, having me explain the article to you without you having to read it. Um, so as I um, look at the article for reference points, um, again, the feminist uh, movement is something that is so controversial, but not in the sense where it's a debate that is rational on both sides. It's more in the sense where um, even a rational, smart girl, when you start bringing up these type of things, I feel it gets this feeling like I could almost see it in the girl's face when you start saying certain things. She quickly starts to build a defense in her mind in saying, well, women aren't treated right and it's not... Uh, a just world for us or anything uh, and um, it is true in certain senses but what I'm discussing here is not that it's not that, that women are treated equal it's just that the way that we're presented this information is strangely um, how would you say blatant in how it's mostly propaganda and not rational, uh, argumentative um, um, speculation or, or statements. Um, okay, so the first thing I brought up is, uh, you know how everybody says, well, women make 80 cents to uh, every dollar that a man makes. Um, I looked this up and uh, because I heard about it on the Joe Rogan podcast, I often come across information that obviously updates our current beliefs about certain things. And this is uh, one of the most interesting ones. That claim that women are making 80 cents to every dollar of a man <clears throat> uh, uh, compared to a man is actually not exactly true. It's more the fact that women have other priorities uh, in their lives. They have families to raise, they have a house to take care of, and uh, they are, I, I have actually dealt with it, this in my own life. My wife used to work with children. She used to be in charge uh, of a bunch of children in an after-school program. She would teach dance. And uh, we started talking about uh, possibly having children in the future. Now, I asked her that uh, to 
um, for us to try to make things work out and her to stay home and uh, become a homemaker. There's plenty of uh, things to take care of in the household. And as soon as you bring children into the mix, that basically is a full-time job. And I'd much rather have my wife raise my children than a government agency or a nanny or a daycare. Uh, this is the way that I was raised, and I feel that it's the best way to have your uh, beliefs and and ideals um, presented in a rational way to your children, rather than have just uh, government-approved uh, propaganda crammed down their throats. Um, so... Again, oftentimes women are getting paid less, not because the boss sees that it's a female or a male and wants to pay the woman less. It's because there's certain factors. Um, and even if uh, I've heard other discussions, it might have been in Gnostic media or maybe it's uh, even something as misogynistic as uh, the Tom Likas show, which is a uh, radio talk show that... Um, where Tom Likas, the guy is very, very misogynistic and um, uh, offensively misogynistic, in, almost in a comical way. So I don't know if it's uh, if he's trying to be um, uh, like a parody, but uh, I mean, it, it is what it is. The people that listen to it um, either fully agree with his thing or uh, dismiss part of the uh, statements that he makes because they don't fully agree with him. Um, but that's not here nor there. Um, so when you... Uh, uh, the claims that I've also heard is that a boss would not promote a woman if he knows that she, for example, is, uh, let's say, pregnant or considering having children in the future. Um, in not... In, well, I, I guess in the end it might seem like it is because she's a woman, but uh, oftentimes it is because she, he's looking at the uh, potential for a dedicated employee. And if this is a woman that might miss work quite a bit or have a long period leave to raise children or to uh, do whatever that is priority above her work, then he might not promote her, um, which is, uh, although it, it might sound like it's, oh, she's being mistreated because she's a woman. Objectively, if you really think about it, it's not so much um, in injustice because I feel that if she were a an employee that could dedicate 100% of her time to her career, then there's no reason why the the uh, the boss would promote her. And if the sole reason why she is not being promoted is because she mentioned that she has children or she's planning to have children in the future, then, uh, and if the boss considers that and says, well, this guy that is a single guy that has the, um, the career in his mind uh, um, wholeheartedly might be a better match for a uh, more um, how would you say more uh, demanding position 
Um, and and I, I, I'm even hesitating in the words that I'm trying to use here and uh, how I'm trying to present this information, as you see. Um, and this is primarily because I know that a lot of these words and uh, statements can be misconstrued and, and twisted. Um, uh, but let's move on. Okay, so uh, the time when uh, even if the the gender gap is what they call it, even if this is uh, true, which I don't doubt that in the past, maybe before the 70s, women were um, looked down upon. They were uh, treated in a different manner than men were, which uh, for the most part they have been. Um, but uh, just to backtrack a little bit, let me just say that when women say that they're not being treated equal as men, um, it, it, it again, I'm, I'm being careful in how I say, state this. Women are not supposed to be treated like men. Women are women and men are men and you should not treat them equally. Um, I know for a fact that if I see a woman, uh, let's say, carrying a bunch of heavy boxes, I feel more, um, I, I don't know, I feel compelled to run over and help her. Now, if I saw a regular man carrying a bunch of heavy boxes, I might not run over as quick. I, I might still offer my help, but um, we have a view of women being a little bit more frail. Why? Because they are more frail. Um, my cousins actually yesterday were, were asking me about, uh, <laughs> kind of strange, they were all asking me a bunch of uh, curious questions about life. And since I'm older and my generation is between their parents and themselves, they wanted to have a uh, discussion where somebody wouldn't have uh, a reason to lie to them. So I, I told them, you know what, I'm here at a um, at a birthday party and I told them, you guys can ask me anything you want and I'll truthfully answer whatever questions you have. So as, as you can imagine, the questions ranged from so many different subjects and I, I was very glad to give them um, as much rational thinking as I was able to give them. But one of the things that came up is they said, do you think that it's safer to have uh, boys than girls uh, as far as children? And the reason why they were asking is primarily because of rape. And they, and again, this is such a strange thing for a 14-year-old to uh, bring up. But they were saying, isn't it true that uh, women get raped more than men? And I said, well... One of the main reasons I feel is because women are a lot weaker than men physically. So a man can overpower a woman easier than a woman can overpower a man. I mean, generally speaking. And then I said, well, um, it, when you when it comes to molestation, it seems that statistically it's a lot. And I, I wasn't using this these big words, of course. But um, I was telling him, statistically, it's a lot more common for a woman to molest a child and get away with it than a man. And this is mostly because a lot of people aren't expecting women to um, to do such a thing to a child. Now, even in this discussion, you're bringing uh, a bunch of factors into it. And if you notice, 
there's so much more uh, being presented there. There's so much uh, differences in just the difference in gender. Now, um, it's it's kind of silly to say that women should be treated equal like men. And in the article, I bring up two things that I'm sure are going to uh, make uh, a little bit of uh, single eyebrows raised and a little bit of uh, people kind of cringe at the, the statement I said. But um, the examples that I brought up was, uh, and, and I, I've had this discussed with both men and women, that generally when you go out on a date you expect the man to pay this is something that i've been brought up on and actually one of the first times that i ever went uh not necessarily on a date but we went to just get i think it was just like ice cream at the mall where i met my wife uh she stepped up and she bought her own ice cream and i kind of stopped and I, I was confused about it i thought to myself wait isn't the man generally the guy that buys everything for the woman um and um, it kind of surprised me because before that, uh, most of the girls that I had uh, invited over to go share an ice cream or to uh, have dinner or uh, go out anywhere would step back and wait for the man to pay. This is generally what happens on a date. Um, again, if you're a woman listening to this, you might start to feel a bit defensive and start to make claims uh, because I know that if I brought this up in a discussion, most women will start to say, well, I often pay for my own thing. And that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm talking about uh, social common uh, examples of uh, interactions between male and female. And generally, you do have the man paying for the date. Uh, another good example of this is brought up on the um, Cracked podcast. This is when they're talking about uh, differences in uh, culturally uh, in different parts of the U.S. That there's parts, and I, I, I don't remember exactly where they were talking about, but there's places where a um, man is expected to hold a door open for a woman. And if it is not done, then the woman would feel offended. Um, I know that it's not like that here in California, but we're, I know that we're a strange bunch out here. We don't follow the rules like that. But um, if you, as a man, went and you expected a woman to hold a door open for you and you, you felt offended, you would be met with a lot of strange glares, uh, if, if we're being frank. But if a woman does that, it's a little bit more expected, that she expects a little bit better treatment. Um, I know that I've heard uh, multiple women in the, I believe it, a lot of them were in the Joe Rogan podcast that say that they expect their door to be open by a man and that they're uh, already judging what type of person he is if he doesn't hold the door open for her. Um, <clears throat> So again, I'm pulling these things up just as examples that there is social norms where we behave a certain way and, uh, in a, when, we, when you're uh, having an exchange with a um, member of the opposite sex. And to say that none of these things should be true is, is a bit silly. It's a bit uh, unrealistic to say women should be treated like men because women are not men. and. Uh, it, there's gender-specific 
behaviors that are there in place for reasons and that they exist and they still exist today for reasons. Um, just like stereotypes. Stereotypes exist because there's some truth behind them. And to say that, um, I don't know, <laughs> I hesitate to say any uh, examples here, but um, I mean, pick a stereotype. If the stereotype, like Adam Carolla says on his podcast, if the stereotype were not true, then it wouldn't stand. If you start saying, oh man, all blank race is terrible at math, then if you know for a fact that the majority of the college students in your campus is, wow is that a um um oh man i'm losing my words here um students in college if you know for a fact that the majority are a specific race or or ethnic background then you um, know that that statement is not true and you'll kind of scoff at the statement. But if the statement is a stereotype, something that people often um, state, then you know that that uh, it's not going to be met with uh, resistance. So let me have a sip of coffee. Probably should have just paused that and not said anything, but <clears throat> what the heck. Um, okay, so when this started to change was in the 1970s. This is when, um, as they pointed out in the crack podcast, no bras were burned. But the image that we usually get during this time is of women walking down the streets, removing their bras and burning them. As far as I understand... No bras were ever burned. But anyway, so the feminist movement. I like to, oftentimes when you're uh, bringing up historical uh, things that happen, I oftentimes like to, rather than uh, just ha have the uh, rhetoric that was pushed in our direction and, and just regurgitated, I'd like to just objectively state what happened and what was the result. So in other words, what was the Hegelian dialectic of this event? Um, it, it sounds a bit cynical to, to state it that way, but the Hegelian dialectic is the problem, reaction, solution, um, conspiratorial um, uh, method of controlling people. And what you do is you present a problem, you wait for the reaction, the agitation, and then you lead the result in the uh, way that you want. Uh, so in other words, you might manufacture a problem and then you wait for everybody's reaction and then you bring up the solution, which the solution was generally what you wanted to begin with, but you needed to have the masses move in that direction. You needed to have a movement, a move, moving of the mind. And so in the 1970s, women fought for equal rights. Now, at that point, a lot of women started joining the workforce. Um, these uh, type of movements, uh, along with, uh, I guess, during the World War II era, uh, brought many, many women into the workforce. So it, it, it almost feels to me like the controllers of society let's just call it that the, those people up at the top they figured you know what a lot of women are staying home and these are are um healthy um 
individuals that could easily make some money for us. They, they could be great taxpaying citizens. So let's start breaking down this family structure of the women staying home raising children. Let's have our uh, institutions raise the children. Uh, of course, this is a breakdown of the family and a uh, reprogramming of the structure of, of what we uh, had as a norm. And um, I, I don't know that many people would argue that, that it was for the better. When you have children being raised in daycares and uh, by babysitters or strangers, you obviously have worse children than if you had the parents raising them and teaching them the uh, proper morals um, that they believe in. And so in the 1970s, women fought and the uh, obviously that was the uh, uh, agitation that uh, women are not treated equal, that they want to be able to uh, fight. And uh, I know that uh, I believe I want to say Philip Morris, but I, I might be wrong. But it, whatever the major cigarette manufacturer at the time, they pushed cigarettes on women uh, in a plot to also bring in a lot more consumers of cigarettes. I know that a lot of people were smoking at that time, but the cigarette was a symbol of, um, how would you say, of rebellion for women. And the, one of the things that they also did when they were marching for their rights was they would spark up a cigarette. They would start to smoke and they would walk down the street showing how they... Uh, rebel against this this uh, establishment by smoking a cigarette in public and letting their hair down and removing their bras and walking down the streets, uh, marching for their rights. Well, that's the agitation. That's the things that we see in the history books. And in the end, what resulted out of all this is a lot of women started joining the workforce. Um, I, again, I often talk about how I feel that Japan is a couple of leaps in the future, uh, culturally and uh, technologically and uh, in a fashion sense, than America is. So I almost like to compare where Japan is today with where we are going. Um, one of the examples where this is very blatant is cell phones. Japan um, back in the 90s when my uh, wife was in Japan, uh, she saw the, the uh, technological advancements of mobile phones. And even back then, people had a uh, mobile phone everywhere they went. When she came to America, she realized that the majority of people did not have cell phones because America wasn't that developed when it came to uh, handheld technology. And then she slowly started seeing that growth to what it is today, where everybody has a mobile device in their pocket that they can uh, be communicated to uh, at any point. Uh, but she saw that, that difference. She was, uh, so to speak, technologically, she was in the future. She came to America into a technological past, and then she saw the slow growth into that uh, advancement that she had uh, grown up with in Japan. And so, um, again, women's rights, uh, we want to be treated equal. And then in the end, what happens? A lot of them join the workforce. They become taxpaying citizens. And the establishment is happier because now they have much more cigarette consumers and much more taxpaying citizens. 
Um, now, um, obviously, that, that results in a lot of problems. Uh, cigarettes are not the greatest thing for you. And uh, now you have a lot of women, maybe even to make a statement smoking, when uh, it, it, it's almost like when you have a, a group that is buying a certain type of clothing or, um, I don't know, a, a, a certain device rather than another device, you're still consuming in order to make a statement. Uh, it's kind of silly to have somebody um, buy, for example, the, um, what is it called? The propaganda uh, t-shirts, the, um, oh man, I'm blanking on what the movement is, but they, they have this uh, obey that's what it is. The Obey Movement. The Obey Movement started out as a rebellion to uh, propaganda and a statement of the power that the propaganda has in the media. Well, it became what it was trying to fight. Kind of like what they say about Kurt Cobain. He hated this rock star um, image and he fought to be exactly what he became. And I know that I, I, I'm pretty sure that he was tied... Uh, his parents were tied to the military and they're just like Jim Morrison and all the other stars that we had during those times uh, and, and in the past. But um, it seems that a lot of society and the media is connected in one way or another to the military. But um, back to women's rights. So let me go a little farther down and see what else that I brought up. Um, so once they realized that women had this amazing power as uh, as consumers, uh, a lot of the televisions and ads, the media in general, started being targeted more towards women. And a lot of people point the example to married with children because this is one of the first times that you saw the man portrayed as a complete buffoon and uh, even as a child I remember watching this television show and, and realizing well I mean they keep talking about being poor and they have a two-story amazingly beautiful house it's very big and um, they never bring up that they struggle to pay the mortgage or the um, the bills or anything so they're clearly doing fine. It's not like they're struggling, but they're always talking about how poor they are. Uh, and not only that, but the main character was just portrayed as uh, comically stupid when he was actually the main bread maker in the home. He himself uh, basically made all the money to to buy everything there so uh by by uh, the standards uh, if you really look at it objectively he is very successful uh I, he probably doesn't have a uh job that he was proud of but he was um being a man he was taking care of his family uh as as best as he could yet they portrayed him as just a, a comically stupid man and uh, a lot of people point to that as the point where everything, all the roles started reversing. And now with TV shows like Modern Family and Family Guy and uh, a lot of the, the uh, common themes today is that the man is just a complete idiot and the woman is a rational being. Uh, the Simpsons, I, I mean, I, I can make a list of probably 50 
examples. Um, but now it's not argued. Now it's just a uh, standard to make the man look like a fool and to make the woman seem like the rational person. And the place where you see this a lot more is in advertisement. Oftentimes, the man is uh, the the regular structure of a commercial is usually um, oftentimes one of I think it was like one of three ways that they present a new product to you is there is a um, person that is completely oblivious or is suffering uh, because of the lack of a certain product and then the other person comes in and explains this new method or this new product that can make their life easier and then that person is basically connected to the audience because this is where the uh, audience is, is meant to uh, empathize with and un understand and connect with in the sense that they are also uh, unaware of how this product can make their life better and uh, this is uh, primarily, I feel, in, in as far as uh, ads, I feel that it's because they need the uh, woman to be the decision maker because she is the decision maker. And uh, Joe Rogan also brought up that um, the uh, he brought it up as a question. And I, I don't know that it was actually uh, even prepared. He just brought up, he says, well, what percentage of products do you think are consumed by women versus men? And so he had his assistant, Jamie, uh, bring it up. And I, it must have been in September sometime. So I, I couldn't direct you to the exact podcast. But I believe that it might be one with Brian Redban, uh, another comedian. And uh, he um, asked that question and then they looked it up. And uh, the answer is, uh, so pause this if you're going to ask somebody that's listening, 80%. Uh, so 80% of the products that are bought off the shelves are bought by women. Now, of course, this is factoring in that women consume a lot more products compared to men, uh, such as uh, makeup, um, um, shampoo, uh, mascara, lipstick, um, and uh, of course, all the different things that women consume versus men. Um, and so, of course, that, that factors in, and I'm sure that that influences it quite a bit. But in the end, it's uh, something that um, you can see in, in the ads, in that uh, generally the ads are targeted towards women. There's very few products, uh, and if there is, then you can see how uh, blatant it is to have a product presented in, in the direction of a man versus a woman. Okay, so uh, what else? Propaganda. Um, okay, so again, back to why I mentioned Japan. Uh, Japan, I feel, is a little bit farther in the future. And socially, uh, the interactions between the genders is alarmingly disconnected. Uh, so much in the sense that Japan is starting to worry a bit because their population is uh, dwindling so fast that they need to do something. They need to figure out a way to make men and women procreate, uh, to have children. And um, they're not sure how to even do this. So I don't know if that, that's just a way to that they present it to us when you're looking at videos and uh, presentations explaining this. But um, 
they're saying that yes, it is um, uh, s starting to become alarming that the uh, population in Japan is getting smaller and smaller. Now, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I oftentimes bring up um, religious beliefs in that it almost feels like it's a uh, propaganda ploy that went out of control, and now when people are so. Uh, obsessively defensive about certain subjects, then it's kind of hard to bring in a new norm and to update people's beliefs. Now, this might be something that they're, uh, the culture creators in Japan are suffering from, but it was, uh, I feel, something that they manufactured. It's something that they created. And I don't doubt that this is what we're seeing here in America with the feminist movement. Um, a lot of times when I would talk about this subject and, and uh, have uh, almost like a speculative, speculative um, discussions, uh, maybe in my mind or, or with other people, I would often think, is it possible that this is uh, a belief that's being uh, pushed in our direction because they want to prepare us to have a female president? And I don't know that I truly wholeheartedly believe this, but I know that it's definitely a possibility. So I don't know because, uh, and I do feel that there is a reason why we're getting a complete and utter buffoon. Again, it's programming that has been presented to us since who knows how long ago, maybe early 90s, maybe even sooner than that. Um, if you compare it to uh, things like, uh, I don't know, as far back as like The Honeymooners, I Love Lucy, um, any of the uh, the other shows, the man and the woman are equal partners. That's, that's more equality um, for uh, dealing with problems and, and fixing things. Uh, and maybe I Love Lucy is not a great example because I know that she took charge on a lot of things. But uh, the man was portrayed as more of a dictatorial uh, type to uh, remedy a lot of the problems. Now, uh, let's see. So it's possible that it, this is all just to prepare us to have a woman president. Now, I know that uh, uh, the uh, candidate as a, a president... Uh, is uh, actually quite um, uh, criminal, I, uh, uh, allegedly, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but they're, they're finding a lot of things that present her in a very um, un, unlikable way. And I think that the people um, might not um, be smart enough to react to these the type of accusations. But what do we have on the other hand? We have a, a complete, ridiculous, misogynistic uh, caricature of a man. And I, I feel that the... I, I don't know. I don't follow polls or, or listen to anything that really presents the two sides. But I know that the third party is rarely ever a... Um, how would you say a fair, um, uh, a fair uh, man? Is it too early? It, it's it's oftentimes a fair. Um, it's not an equal um, oppositional candidate. So uh, it, it's fairly safe to say that those are our two choices: a caricature of a man 
um, misogynistic man and a criminal woman. And uh, it, it, it's difficult for people to even say that I'd rather choose the misogynistic, ridiculous, racist-seeming man over uh, this woman that has experience because her husband was in uh, so I don't know. Maybe once uh, all of this has gone down and you look at what happened, maybe this audio will be completely ridiculous. But I, I, uh, I often wonder if these two things are connected, the female propaganda and the feminist movement with um, the political uh, standing. Not that politics really matters, but in the end, it's always presented as, oh, look what Bush did. Oh, yeah, under Reagan, this happened. Oh, look at what Obama left us. And a lot of these uh, claims are, um, how would you say, jeez, um, uh, the logical fallacy of attacking the person, not the belief, um, ad hominem. And the uh, ad hominem attack is very... Um, blatant and almost critical, I feel, in presenting history as what it was, because you never say uh, that the um, uh, president had no say in the matter. You almost make it seem as if the president had the only say, almost like a dictatorship or a, 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 a royalty, people that, that wholeheartedly decide these things. So I start to, in the article, bring up a lot of examples in uh, different uh, media. And there's a lot more popularity in female leads. Uh, there's things like Bridesmaids and Bad Moms. And I know that there's tons of examples where it's just a movie that's based on women. And that's not what I'm talking about. If there's um, a market for these type of films, then, then so be it. That's great. I know that they're not made for us as men, but um, the things that I'm talking about is where, um, and uh, I guess an, uh, other examples would be like um, Frozen, Brave, Inside Out, Zootopia, Finding Dory. There's tons of great films that, um, and actually, to be fair, I've only seen Inside Out, Zootopia. But um, I know that there's a lot of great films out there that star a female role. And that, that's not what I'm talking about. And if, if objectively and honestly the film is better with a female role, then so be it. Um, although at times it starts to get a little bit silly when you have a female taking the lead and then it, it becomes uh, comical. There's female roles that are just presented and it's almost... Uh, unrealistically portrayed. Uh, I, the example I bring up because uh, Cracked brought it up, and I believe that one is uh, linked on the article. So I'll, when I get to the bottom, I'll, I'll mention the exact episode. Um, it might be something called like women, womanist agenda in, on Disney movies. Um, but anyway, when you start, uh, or it might have been on, on just films in general. Anyway, so um, Black Widow and Hawkeye are the only characters that are human in the, uh, not counting Iron Man because he has a suit that could withstand a fall from, um, I don't know, like hundreds of feet up in the air. Um, but anyway, they are, it's, it's a little bit hard to uh, just, uh, 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 how would you say, just... Uh, accept that this hundred pound woman 
character, Black Widow, is being able to take down 300-pound muscle-bound thugs. And uh, she's flipping around and, and kicking butt and never getting injured at all. Um, I mean, that to state the fact, it's also kind of silly when you have a, a hero character, a male character that, that is never getting injured and is just taking everybody down. Um, I know that it is possible with... Uh, proper martial arts training but um, it gets a little bit um, it takes you out of the film when this type of stuff happens Joe Rogan has also pointed this out and it's uh, made him quit even the show Dexter because um, I believe one of the characters is choking out a woman and the woman doesn't flail or fight or anything and he says that that's unrealistic and I, I guess that Joe Rogan would know because he does do commentary on MMA so he would know what type of chokes are effective and uh, what ways there is to get out of them. Um, so let, let's see what else did I mention the movies that I'm talking about and where it feels a little bit more blatant and um, how would you say um, more than like there's more of a, a, a plot behind it would be films like Star Wars The Force Awakens um, not that it made it a, a worst film a lot of people argue that it, Star Wars is actually a better film because they chose women uh, the woman star uh, it's almost like a uh, reboot in a sense because they present a new enemy and it's probably going to be an, another trilogy with a female star now instead of Luke the male star um, so I'm not saying that it's a bad thing but when you're watching these films it starts to make you wonder if there's um, a pattern here or if it's just coincidental that most of the reboots and new films are being starred by women rather than men um, and so another one is uh, Mad Max Fury Road and the film stars or it used to star Max Rakatansky I'm probably mispronouncing that but anyway Mad Max it's Max in a mad world and uh, the new Max Mad, mad whoa tongue twister Mad Max Fury Road is supposed to be based on Max and the female takes the lead and basically saves the day. Um, I remember that for a large part of the film, the star is uh, chained up and this kind of adds to the um, the drama of the film itself and maybe in, in a just way, in a, in a better way. And maybe it also adds equality to the uh, physical differences in male and female. But it's interesting that the film has the name Mad Max and it doesn't really star the main character, Mad Rakastansky. Um and then there's other movies where, uh, and this is us, uh, man, after so long, I'm, I'm finally getting to the point. Look at me blabbing. Um, Neighbors 2, another film that it, um, uh, let me correct this here real quick. It's uh, the original one, Neighbors, is about a uh, frat that moves in next to this uh, family and they're making a lot of noise and doing a lot of crazy parties. But Neighbors 2 is basically a, re a reversal of genders and now it's a sorority and when i saw the trailer not 
because there's women, and this is actually what gets guys in trouble, that you try to make it clear that it's not because the film is just flipping gender roles, but it's because it's uh, not realistic. And I know it's a comedy, I know it's fiction, and uh, it doesn't have to match reality truly, but you do have to match reality in a sense where you don't take the audience out of the story that you're trying to say. And I, I remember that the trailer had something really silly where a character is uh, screaming and being silly and partying. Uh, I don't know if she was drunk, but then she either gets hit by a car or or she falls on the street and then she just gets up and continues wailing and running down the street. So um, I, maybe it would make more sense for a guy to do something like that, but it just felt very silly to portray women that way and I, I don't know that sororities are not that much crazier than um, than frats but it just felt uh, like I was watching a exaggerated cartoon um, so I bring up also the the cracked article in that Disney also portrayed women in such a comical way in that oftentimes if you think about like Sleeping Beauty and um, a lot of the classics, uh, Snow White, the woman is oftentimes pushed aside and the only time that things go their way is when they're just sitting there quietly and, and they stay out of trouble. Um, there's a, a huge uh, suppression of, of women in Disney films, the classical Disney films. And Cracked probably explains it better than I ever could. So I'll, I'll just skip that example and uh, refer you to robertlego.org for the article on the woman agenda. And uh, go all the way to the bottom and uh, or skip to the end of this audio and I'll, I'll tell you which... Um, which exact podcast it is so you can uh, really understand that um so what else uh, another example is when you have a really hot uh female portrayed as a certain character um and this is true for males as well when you get a really hot muscle bound uh, guy portrayed as a um office worker or a scientist it, it kind of takes you out of the film in that okay i get it you want to uh you want an actor that looks really good on the screen to be the the star of the film or the scientist or whatever whatever you want to do but it does take you out of the film and um i know joe rogan oftentimes uh, points this out I, and I know it was Denise Richards but I don't remember which film it was it might have been like a sci-fi apocalyptic scenario um, or a disaster movie but it, it had Denise Richards starring a scientist and it, it's kind of silly or um, I guess another example would be like Michael Bay um, the the girl um, uh, Fox Megan Fox she's often portrayed as oh yeah I'm, I'm kind of uh the outcast my dad is a, a nerd or a, an inventor and i'm kind of been raised around tools all my life and it's kind of hard to believe that when you have this uh, incredibly beautiful uh, supermodel saying that oh yeah i'm kind of a nerd um, and it, it, it kind of takes you out of the film and this is almost uh, contradictive because you have 
um, the push of, oh yeah, women should be treated equal, and yet you cast women for their looks. So you're creating this uh, objectivity towards uh, a woman. You're turning her into a, a sex object, and then you f uh, start to argue that women should be treated equal. So it's kind of uh, difficult to say that. Rather than do that, why not cast somebody that looks the part? Um, Adam Carolla brought this up on his podcast in saying that he wanted to cast, and it might have been on a TV show, but he wanted to cast a woman as a nanny. And so he wanted a Latin woman to play the nanny. And the studio kind of fought him in choosing that. Um, he wanted it to be as realistic as possible, and that's clearly what you see. If you drive around here in Hollywood, you see that a lot of the homemakers that the giant mansions hire to take care of is a, a Latin um, middle-aged woman. And not only that, but as nannies to raise their children because they know what they're doing, I guess, or they just uh, know that that's somebody that can take care of the job. Um, okay, so uh, the other thing that I uh, came across is that Doctor Strange and Jessica Jones, these are two, Doctor Strange is a film based on a Marvel character. This is going to be coming out, I don't know if it's this year or next year, but real soon. And Jessica Jones is a comic book female character that is a series on Netflix. And both had a gender reversal on a specific character. Um, I don't know exactly that Doctor Strange... Well, to be honest, I don't know either one. But I did talk to a friend that mentioned that Jerry Hogarth, this is a character on Jessica Jones, was changed to a female role. And in his opinion, it improved the story. But I, I, I don't want to dive into specifics. But he said that... It kind of benefited the story, but that something was changed later and it might hurt it at the end. So it's almost like they dug their own hole there and now he's waiting to see if they're going to be able to recover from this or not. Uh, so I'll leave that as it is. I don't know too much more. I can't comment on it anymore. Uh, and then the other one is uh, Legend of Korra, uh, the other example that I brought up. And the original series to this was The Last Airbender. It was based on Aang, a little boy that was... Uh, it's a world where certain people are born with the ability to manipulate their environment. And Aang is the last person that's able to manipulate the air. That's why he's an airbender. I believe he could manipulate other elements as well. But so the series did fairly well. Uh, people enjoyed it and people that I talked to. And uh, they did a sequel to the series uh, where it's the, I believe the star is a little bit older, uh, but it was a female lead. And I, I don't know if this is stretching it, but uh, it's called The Legend of Korra. And again, this one, I'm going to have to stop here because if I start to explain a little bit more of uh, progressive thinking and progressive story, um, I might ruin uh, the um, story and what uh, what happens later in the series. So in case you want to watch that, um, I'll just stop there. I don't want to. Um, and and uh, just to state, I feel that it's a really cool thing what they did later in that series. But it, it just makes you think. It makes you wonder um, why is it that they're just rebooting things and putting women in front of it. 
Um, so let me see. The, this leads me to the art, the thing that spun this whole article into existence, and that is Ghostbusters. This is where the it, it was a film that has been talked about for a long time. Um, just like um, uh, now you're starting to hear more and more um, a reboot of Back to the Future. There's been reboots of Indiana Jones. There's so many uh, old films and a lot of people argue that Hollywood is kind of running out of ideas. So rather than try to create uh, original concepts, they're just going back to what worked in the past and they're just trying to remake it with the new technology and new um, concepts. And so the Ghostbusters, as far as I know, I honestly did not see it. And um, I've talked to, uh, man, very few people that have seen it. Most people didn't even bother watching it. And the people that have and the reviews that were written, they're either the typical great movie, best movie in America, number one, two thumbs up, that kind of thing. Um, but when you start to read true actual reviews it seems that the majority of people did not enjoy this film uh, and um, the youtuber um, I believe he originally started as the angry video game nerd um, he does a, a YouTube channel cinema sacker cinema sacker jeez, oh, it's embarrassing bad um, it's like massacre, but sin, cine at the end, cine massacre, massacre. Um, and he did what he called a non-review. He refused to watch the film. Uh, he was a big fan. He said that he was waiting for this film for a very long time, and that when um, uh, what's his name that wrote Bedazzled, um, well, whenever that that director died, that he felt like the possibility of a reboot of Ghostbusters was was over and then they started continuing talking about make remaking ghostbusters and uh when the trailer came out <clears throat> i know everybody went on a frenzy talking trash about why would you change it to females for no uh, explainable reason um even if they're uh, they chose to switch it to women why did they not have the original cast kind of hand over the um the the show the movie the story over to the women like kind of like what uh scrubs did on the last season or star wars did with bringing uh han solo and and a lot of the original cast to connect the old fans into this new wave of storytelling but ghostbusters did not do that is what he explained he said that you're trying to say that it's not a reboot or a remake but every factor in the formula points at it being a remake or a reboot you don't call it the new ghostbusters the girl ghostbusters which is what a lot of people call it according to the youtube reviewer but you don't call it anything like that you call it the exact same uh letter for letter text title of the original and then you try to say that it's not a reboot or a uh, remake. So th this is mainly what his argument was in the video and him saying that it has nothing to do with them being all women, but it's just ridiculous that they give the fans this um, uh, 
poor excuse for a remake when they were waiting patiently for this film for a very, very long time. And so the reaction to his video was that 18 articles were written uh, attacking him. I didn't have time to look those up and read them, but I don't doubt that because now we're going to the, the person I mentioned all the way at the beginning. Again, sorry for being so uh, winded, but uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, again, keep in mind that this guy is a troll. He will oftentimes say things that are completely silly and he's not afraid to go there. He's not afraid to bring up um, completely silly uh, claims or, or say things that might be uh, taken the wrong way. So when I tried to really get to the bottom of what happened between Milo Yiannopoulos and uh, Leslie Jones, it was very difficult to really find the exact exchange of what was said. And I quickly started finding out that a lot of the um, summarizing that was done was in defense, obviously, of the female. They were sh showing that Milo was just being a horrible person, a, a horrible, almost like misogynistic uh, person attacking her and, and saying that her movie was horrible and then making uh, racial statements and... Um, just being a, a horrible person. Um, but <clears throat> the more I dug in, the more I started to see that it, it's, it, it was very one-sided and that it's not uh, portrayed in a fair manner. Uh, and I never actually found, and maybe this is just my lack of uh, ability to do a proper search on YouTube, but I, I wasn't able to find a true representation of what exactly the exchange was. But um, I did find his um, one of his uh, quotes, um, and it, it's similar to what the YouTuber said. He says, this is not Ghostbusters revisited, revisited. This is not Ghostbusters 3. This is Social Justice Ghostbusters 1. Um, he's basically, uh, in it, I, I read his original article. It's, it's linked on my article that I wrote. <clears throat> but... If you look at it, he did one article where it was before the movie was even out. It was as soon as the trailer came out and he quickly started attacking it and saying that it's a terrible movie. And on that article, I don't rem I don't believe that there was anything racial or any attack or um, he did mention that it is a feminist movement and that it's just going to be a terrible movie. Uh, with horrible jokes and uh, very silly uh, plots. Um, and I, you can dismiss everything in saying that it's, it's a movie meant for children. It's kind of like the debate with Ninja Turtles, people saying, oh, it ruined my childhood um, franchise. But um, like, uh, man, which one was the YouTuber? There's a YouTuber, famous movie reviewer that said that they're not ruining the movie that it's not a movie meant for adults it's a movie meant for the new generation of children um and i, I I'll, I'll just um as a tangent uh, this is something that i've had discussions with with other people and saying that i wonder if this is a telling sign that the youth is a little bit dumber or is it just that we're getting older and realizing that a lot of the jokes that are presented in these films are just uh, comically simple and uh, it, they're just almost like what 
they use as uh, media outlets today where it's like uh, Twitter and Vines and it's just a quick gif of uh, something silly and it's something that you can lean over and say hey check out this funny little image and then they laugh and then they go right back to their um, social media so I, I don't know if uh, it, I agree that the new reboots are sometimes uh, victim to this new type of comedy where you don't need to set up a uh, smart joke like in the comedies in the past, but you just have a quick, just uh, a silly gag that'll just make you giggle for a second and then you just move on to the rest of it, almost like uh, like ADD or like... Uh, uh, a quick fodder that's just feeding giggle feeding laugh feeding and then it, it just is a collection of just silly jokes like that but um the movie afterwards came out and um he talked about it negatively again in another article and then he uh, i believe he went to twitter and started saying how bad the film was and at this point, Leslie and him started having an exchange. Um, again, this is all based on what I've found. I don't know if I'm completely wrong in this, but I do see that there's quite a bit of uh, one-sidedness in this whole uh, debate. Um, and it, so what he said is, he says, if at first you don't succeed because your work is terrible, that's in parentheses, play the victim. Um, Leslie started defending herself further and further and uh, I don't know if it was because she was being defensive and irrational or if she was just uh, making honest mistakes or if she really didn't know proper uh, grammar but uh, she misspelled something or she used uh, grammatical errors and Milo pointed that out and stated that uh, public schooling is just terrible that we need to uh, teach people how to spell and use grammar correctly and so she got angry she made a couple comments back and then she blocked him and uh, he uh, replied by saying uh, rejected by another black dude um, this is where it starts to get uh, very uh, blatantly hateful but again, this is why I pointed out that Milo is a troll. He's an internet troll. He thrives on saying ridiculous things that are clearly a joke. But those type of jokes are very dangerous when you're talking in text. Uh, they can be misrepresented and, and presented in a uh, manner that will make you look like a horrible, uh, evil person. So then uh, Leslie reported him to Twitter and he got blocked. Um, because of the hateful conduct policy is what they call it. And then, um, so he said, uh, Ghostbusters is, do is doing so badly, they've deployed at less dog, which is her vine, to play the victim on Twitter. Very sad. And uh, it started this whole campaign thing where they retaliated and had a hashtag free Milo trending thing on uh, social media. And let me stop and say that I, I'm, I apologize for making this all sound like a tabloid, but I think that it's very telling in the um, propaganda that we're being fed by the media. Uh, so just take what you can out of this. I know that it, it's starting to get a little uh, uh, tabloidy and, and uh, might not make too much sense, but just uh, uh, um, hang in there with me. Um, 
and again, I'm not trying to defend the things that he's saying, but um, so his Twitter was reinstated, I believe. And then as of now, it's still blocked. So I don't know if he uh, took things far again and he was blocked the second time or what happened in the end. Um, but it, uh, frankly, I don't think that it really matters. And uh, again, like I said uh, originally, um, I'm trying to look at it objectively and see what happened, what the reaction was, and what was the result at the end. And he is uh, currently removed, so he didn't uh, care. Um, he even said, uh, he says, uh, besides I don't need to break the terms of service to point out the med medacious hypocrisy of the left on social media. I suppose I didn't break Twitter's unwritten rules by... I, I suppose I did break Twitter's unwritten rules by tweeting truths they'd prefer to leave unsaid. Twitter's permanent suspension of my account makes a mockery of the claim to be a free speech platform. And uh, I say in the article that I don't know if this is uh, like a backfire, like a backlash to what they did, but it's interesting because they use social media to kind of sway the public in, into a certain way and then there's a reaction to it and uh, they get caught in a difficult position where they're trying to push something but they're trying to be fair and, and uh, stick to their, their claims that they want people to be um, uh, a free speech platform. And um, Milo also stated that, you know what, if you're famous, you have to have thick skin. Everybody gets hate mail. So uh, during the exchanges back and forth, he was pointing out that, hey, why are you getting so defensive? You, In the end, it's all a, a discussion about how bad the movie you were in was. And I know that that's not uh, solely um, Leslie's... Um, Leslie's... Um, how would you say say in in how the movie turned out but she did get defensive and start having this debate uh with him um what else mm. so uh I'll, I'll i'm starting to wrap this up um the other thing that i want to do and i might still try to get my friend to come on the podcast and discuss this but um, when I was bringing this up to him, he said, you know what, it, it, I think that there's some truth to what you're saying. And uh, because I, I was br bouncing this article w with different people, people that, that I, uh, whose opinions I respect. And I did um, have uh, him point out that one of his classes, and I believe that the class was on uh, propaganda in film. Well, I, ironically the class itself was kind of hijacked and turned into a feminist movement class. And uh, he was telling me, and if he comes on the podcast, he'll be able to explain it better. But uh, one guy actually pointed out and he said, well, are we going to learn about the what the curriculum points out? Or is this class just going to be about this feminist movement? And uh, he was um, shot down. It was not really uh, changed. And I believe that in the end it did uh, start to improve. But he says that it did point out which women in the class were feminist. And I don't know if that's an exaggerated claim, but because remember, as I pointed out, when women start to hear 
uh, or I mean anything for that fact. If you start to uh, talk about negatively about Mexicans and there's a Mexican in the room, it's almost expected that that person will start to get defensive and start uh, attacking your uh, claims. So he says that a lot of the women started defending it and he believes that these women are, um, um, if not feminist, they're, they're um, defensive to the claims whenever you're talking negatively of uh, the, the movement. Um, so back to Joe Rogan, he also has pointed out that um, it's kind of silly and unrealistic when you have um, even curse words have that much power. When you have a word that is so uh, offensive to somebody, it makes it where you can't even use that word. And I, I, he used the example of, I believe it was the N word. And he says that he has friends that are the farthest in the opposite direction of a racist as you can get. Yet they make jokes when they're all together, uh, them being all comedians and makes a joke that if it was written on text, you would clearly believe that the person is a racist but the person does it just to get a reaction and to have the group bust out laughing so it's uh, tricky because that word is so powerful that it's not something that anybody can ever use and if you I, I mentioned in the article Aldous Huxley's, Huxley's 1984 where they have uh Oh, geez, is it is it government speak or something uh, like that? But this is um, a, a apocalyptic world where uh, there's a total dictatorship in in control, and nobody has free speech. And then uh, a lot of times when things like this are happening, people point out that the world is headed in that direction, where you have free speech zones, where you have places where even though you uh, have a contradictory title, you're doing something the exact opposite, almost like the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act is the most unpatriotic thing that has ever been written. It takes away so many rights to patriots. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I guess that gets a little bit Alex Jonesy or conspiratorial, but there's a lot of examples like that where you have... Uh, something um, uh, the what is it internet free speech rights laws or something like that and then it uh, quickly becomes something that's the opposite of free speech um, what else do I have um, so uh, the last person I'll mention I believe um, is Jan Irving and he uh, has talked about the feminist agenda uh, couple of times and again his shows are great very well researched he cites sources he's one of the best podcasters that I listen to uh, and he's brought this up as well uh, I, I want to say girl writes what is a girl that's uh, pointing out a lot of these things but I might be wrong about that well anyway he's pointed out that uh, on, on several interviews that he believes that when this whole um, plot goes down in the end you're gonna women are gonna realize how much they really do need a man and um, I'm not saying in a, in a misogynistic way of course I'm just saying in the sense that 
I feel that a lot of the controllers up at the top, they know that uh, there's a few things that empower the people, like truly empower the people. And one of those things is uh, unity. And so they're breaking down the family. They're breaking down social structures that could empower people. Things where you might sit back with a couple of friends and discuss uh, current issues of the time and try to uh, educate people or to make them see things in more of a rational way. But then when you have subjects like these that I've discussed on the audio, you start to make it where it starts to create a divide. So in the end, women are going to realize that, hey, the, all these attacks that we've done to men has only just pushed men away uh, so much in the sense that we'll be at the place where Japan is today, where women uh, will often point out, I, be, I believe the um, place where I heard this is a... Uh, TV show by a British guy, and I don't know his name, but the show is called Japanorama. So look that up. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, and it, it, maybe look up sex or relationships or something along those lines. And they interview women on the streets, and they point out that men are not loving and they're not ready to have a relationship. And so, um, uh, so how would you say? Emotional affection is directed in other directions. Uh, the man might have, um, um, how would you have, mistresses that he uh, goes to. Um, a woman might have a, uh, almost like a, a host bar, but it's for men. Uh, it's where men work, and the woman will go there and spend the man's money, the uh, wealthy businessman's money, in buying champagne for the employee there. And so it seems that the uh, affection that that is naturally needed to be given to the opposite gender is directed not into their partners, but into um, stand-ins, so to speak. And they point out that men are just not ready to be emotionally connected like that. And I don't doubt that these type of propaganda plots lead to that type of thinking because they are they interview men there too and a lot of people that are interviewed often say why would i settle down i i have too much things to do and too much uh things to see and too much uh life to live rather than settle down and you start to see relationships and and social structures that have been in place for our benefit uh in the past start to change and they're not changing in a positive way and I think that the feminist movement is uh, almost causing this and um, Japan is I feel an example of where this can all lead to where men have no reason to uh, connect emotionally with the person of the opposite sex and then it leads to crazy things where a man will hire a prostitute which this actually does happen quite a bit cracked also talked about um uh, i believe it was something like skin hunger and it sounds a little bit gross but it's basically the need that we have to be um uh, physically touched and so they talk about a, um, uh, geez, what is it? It's, uh, they talk about a, um, person that has a career in, uh, cuddling with men. Uh, so look up cuddling and I'm sure it's one of the recent podcasts, 
but um, they'll hire prostitutes to just hold them and to listen to them. And in Japan, you see this as well. You go to, uh, you see hostess clubs where the woman is basically just paid to sit there and sound interested because they're so disconnected from the opposite gender that they need to pay for that affection, the affection that we all need. Um, but uh, feminist movements and all the structures that uh, social structures that are being evolved and changed are being changed in a negative way and it's uh, separating us and it's um, creating a divide that in the end it's just going to break down these uh, social structures that empower us and it's breaking down the family it's breaking down the man-woman roles and it's uh, making it where women and men are realizing that it's not worth um it's not worth having children and settling down and uh taking the time to raise them right instead they have their children raised in daycares and uh, by the government and uh it's all uh i feel could even be just to control populations uh, so that get, that gets into a little bit more conspiratorial things. So I, I shouldn't touch too much on that. Um, so the cracked podcast that I mentioned, uh, just to summarize everything, the pay gap article that I came up on was on fortune.com, fortune, F-O-R-T-U-N-E.com. And then myth gender wage gap, I believe is the name of the article. Um, the Cracked Podcast you can listen to on Earwolf and uh, title is How Disney Movies Program Your Mind uh, the Cinem Cine Massacre 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 um, review is on YouTube.com and ah jeez um, maybe you can just search non-review and uh, C-I-N-E-M-A-S-S-A-C-R-E um, because a short link is kind of uh, lengthy uh, and if not just go to robertlego.org go to the bottom of the um, um, what is it called the um, feminist or what did I call it let me see woman agenda um, article um, sorry about that plane in um, a lot of the articles that uh, Milo Yiannopoulos wrote are on Breitbart. I believe he's an employee of them. So just look up Breitbart. And I think that the for the one that came out before the release of the film, I believe that one was the uh, Here's Left Desperate Defend New Feminist. Here's Left Desperate Defend New Feminist. Uh, the original review that he wrote um, oh feminist and then Ghostbusters I guess um, the original review was uh, Breitbart and it's called Milo Reviews Ghostbusters and then um, the thing that talks about the meltdown on Breitbart is um, progressive media meltdown Ghostbusters criticism and then after all was uh, exchanged and done um, I read uh, War Breitbarts, and that's Breitbart.com. Um, I know it sounds one-sided to just cite Breitbart, the um, articles that he wrote, but I wanted to really show what he said and did to 
caused the controversy and the exchange. And I know that if you do some searches, you can quickly fly, find all the horrible things that he said to Leslie. Uh, and a lot of other people uh, said to her. And that's what she started uh, repeating and retweeting and saying how offended she was and how she was quitting Twitter or, or she was blocking people. I forget what exactly was her reaction besides reporting Milo and getting him removed. Um, but yeah, that's that's all the things that I talked about. Cracked did a couple other things. So look up. Um, the it's a great podcast, so it's it's really worth your time. Uh, Jan Irving's podcast is uh, very very good. Um, he talks about this quite a bit, so I'm sure there's plenty of articles you could find on his site on it as well. And um, uh, Milo's been on the Joe Rogan, but if you find his interview, there's very little talk of uh, this. I'm, I'm waiting for him to return to the Joe Rogan podcast so that he can explain the whole exchange. Um, but it, it's uh, it hasn't happened yet. So if you find his interview, it'll just be on uh, different topics, some political and some other things that happen in the media. Um, did I mention anything else? Uh, Adam Carolla has a podcast, too. I don't really listen to him anymore. It's just way too many advertisements. Um, but he has... Um, uh, almost like a clout of being a bit of a misogynistic. As you know, he was the host of The Man Show. So a lot of it is uh, for comedy relief and just being, um, how would you say, controversial or being uh, entertaining. And I did mention Tom Likas. I think that he still does an internet radio show. Um, this is uh, very misogynistic and very... Um, uh, extremely controversial so uh, beware of that before you listen to that that's um, uh, Tom Likas I believe dot com and uh, that might be everything I mentioned in this audio uh, anything that I didn't I'm sure is uh, listed on the uh, article that I wrote um, it's all on woman agenda and, and uh, all the things that happened and uh, just stay tuned to see if my friend actually comes on here and talks about uh, what happened in his uh, class and, and everything. He can probably give a little insight on uh, sororities and, uh, and frats as well, since he goes to college and he's around that uh, environment. Uh, so I hope it, this wasn't a little uh, winded. I hope that I uh, gave you enough information to open your mind and, and see what's going on and what's uh, being fed to us. And um, I just hope that you enjoyed it, that you got something from it. And I don't sound like a misogynistic jerk and the things that I was saying. Um, again, I, I tried to be a bit one-sided and to explain uh, more the propaganda behind it and not uh, trying to defend the men that are being attacked here. Um, and so I, I tried to explain or show what was said and then the reaction that happened in most of it. Um, and if you disagree, then, then uh, I, I guess so be it. Um, I, don't, I didn't mean to get a reaction out of this or anything like that. Um, I just wanted to present something that's been bouncing around my mind. And like I said, it's an article that I've uh, fought back and forth on making and not making. And 
Um, I just, even though it's a little bit late, Ghostbusters has been out for some time. I feel that it's uh, still something that we will see more and more of as we are heading closer to the election. Uh, and just to state the final thing, I don't believe that politics really has that much of uh, a say. Um, I don't feel that voting really makes that much of a difference. I think that the country is moving in a direction that they choose it to. But it, it is breads and circuses in the sense that you just need to entertain the masses. And that's why we have uh, most people, uh, how would you say, most people um, being forced to vote and being told to vote because the majority of the time, it, that's an article that I'm working on for the future, that uh, uh, voting is actually something that's on the decline um, almost constantly. And they really try hard to force us into these type of debates and these type of um, silly vote for one puppet over another puppet when the country is clearly moving in a single direction as um, apparent by the uh, presidency of uh, Mr. Barack Obama uh, showing you that even though his rhetoric said otherwise, he is exactly what Bush was and uh, the country is moving in the same direction. Um, uh, incrementally and uh, little by little I guess not incrementally but little by little they start to move us in a certain direction and it's not apparent until it's either too late or it's uh, very uh, clear and uh, at that point it's being admitted so uh, yeah hopefully you enjoyed it I did do a little bit more than I was expecting to on this one and um, if I can, on my future articles, I'll try to bring other people in. I don't know that uh, my voice is um, pleasing enough to have it on, on most of these podcasts. But uh, a lot of times it's difficult to bring other people on the show when uh, on the show on the podcast when uh, everybody has different um, schedules. And it, it's not that easy to set an hour aside to. Uh, have a discussion with someone so if i still am unable on the next podcast i will uh, do the audio myself i i'm still trying to be very strict in giving you um an, an audio and an article every two weeks and although i i kind of fail uh every now and then i'm trying to be a lot better and i'm constantly working on new articles and writing as it stands now, I have four articles in the works, uh, and I just keep rereading and rewriting and editing and changing things. Uh, and then once the article is, is fairly complete, then I record the audio. Uh, so if I have friends come over, I'll probably try to bank a couple of these audios so we can have um, a nice flow of uh, blog cast every other week. So thank you very much for listening. I'm glad you made it this far. And uh, again, sorry about the noise. My recording studio wasn't as um, available. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it um, in a comical way. It's not a recording studio. It's a desktop computer on top of a standing desk and my recording mic just uh sitting there on the on the surface just um for me to to edit to record and then edit um 
fix the levels and then just upload. So it's not like I have a uh, recording studio per se. I'm, I'm saying it in, in irony. Um, but I had uh, people over and I didn't want to disturb them. I get up quite early to do these audios and I didn't have time, any other uh, time to record this. So I'm ready to start my morning uh, now. This is on a Sunday morning and um, I hope you had fun listening to this or gained some understanding of what I was trying to say. And if not, I failed altogether. But hey, you listened. So thanks. I appreciate that. Take care of yourselves. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.